0: <laughs>
1: yep okay so you you um get back to um you get back to palm springs your pre-o has you do the rape kit and um so what happens from there
0: so from there i really went hard like um i i started to have kind of an identity situation where i didn't i kind of became asexual for a while so i i really started hanging around with a lot more gang members and wearing loose baggy clothes and sagging my pants and um uh, you know carrying guns around and started robbing people and
1: this is in palm springs um
0: you know this is oh oh i forgot to tell you that part too yeah so when when i came back after they took the rape kit and everything um they found out that my mom's boyfriend was back at the house so they were going to put me in another foster home, but I stole a car and drove to LA because that's where my foster family lives. So I'm in LA. I'm hanging out with people in the neighborhood and, you know, robbing people and jacking and ice cream man and just all ridiculous stuff, robbing the mailman and, um and you know, I looked like, I, I looked, I was dressed like a guy at the time, like sagging my pants wearing khakis and braiding my hair and, I mean, you know, for all intents and purposes, I looked like a guy, and that's how I was carrying myself. I was not gay, but I wasn't, I was just asexual. You know what I'm saying? I, I just didn't want anyone to not look at me. I'm not interested. Uh, this is not, I, I, because I figured that what everything that just happened to me, I didn't want that to continue. So I did everything that was the opposite of whatever had anything to do with asexuality related to myself. So I ended up getting locked up again and, um, you know, I I was still not addressing the things that had happened to me. And then I started to notice that, you know, and and of course this is me looking back, but I started feeling this kind of, um, predatory type of behavior, if you will. Like I, I would notice girls that were a little weaker and I thought, well, I could take advantage of that and get what I need from what. They have by saying a few good things to them you know. And um, so I started being a, a, a manipulator and utilizing all these things that I had learned how to cultivate to survive, you know, my life thus far. And so when I got out, um, I was probation. I was probation to my mom's house, and then I ran away again, but back to LA, and we lived in. A different part of town we lived on the west side and I was used to living on the east side. And, um, now I'm back to dressing like a girl and guys are noticing me. And I got involved with a guy, um, who was from a gang in Los Angeles. And, um, we had some, some issues and, and some things happened and he ended up asking me to come over and, you know, we were kind of having a little fight or whatever. And then, he told me i wasn't gonna leave so this is my second experience now with actually you know being trafficked and so what happened was they, they kept me in this room there and i had no clothes on there was no mattress on this no sheet on the mattress it was just a bare mattress in the in the room with nothing else in it um guys were coming in whatever there was i even remember a guy in a wheelchair coming in and, um, that that was that was a horrible experience and uh anyways so i was in there for a few probably three or four days
1: uh and then i
0: remember one one guy coming in and i just lost my mind like i started cussing him out and i was just telling him you know like what do you want what are you doing here man fuck you i'll kill you whatever it was like man calm down i'm not here to hurt you i'm here to help you you do you have any clothes and So he ended up helping me get out of that situation. I don't know who he was, where he came from, but quite possibly he was an angel. (laughs) Um, So so I get out of that situation and then I go back home and I decided, you know what, if this is gonna be what it is every single time I turn around, I'm just gonna embrace it anyway. You know what I'm saying? I'm just gonna do it all the way. So, you know, because I had already been able to keep out the game and I recognized the players and I know who was what where and, um, I hooked up with a guy he was a P and um, you know I went to work <laughs> for lack of a better term um, and that was when I was 16 that lasted for about six months um, I lived with him in Riverside and he would you know take me different places or have guys pick me up and go to a room or whatever um so that lasted, you know, for a little while, and then I ended up getting locked up again. This time I got locked up for a gun charge. When I was done with that, then I ran off, and I thought, well, I want to go back to robbing people. But this time I found another girl. And this this is something that I had just found out recently, but this girl, I was 16, she was 14, she already had two kids. Uh, when I left my tent at Riverside, i came back to palm springs and i was living with this girl and her mom and her mom was on drugs this girl was 14 and had two kids already and um i i i mean i put her up on game like i told her this is how you do this and if you go to school during the week i'll watch your kids and then you can do this on the weekend really i mean you're already doing it anyway. why not get paid right i mean that that was my mindset at the time like um, I mean I didn't want to turn tricks anymore That's for sure And I really had no empathy And no real humanity left in me Because of the fact that I had already been So Hurt and damaged from everything else That I had been through in life I really didn't care about anybody or anything Including myself And so I told her what to do You know and that's what it was And I was back to carrying guns and robbing people I didn't care Uh, And then I ended up, her and I uh, ended up getting locked up together because she was with me when I did a lick. And uh, she got arrested, I got arrested. Her and her family moved away. I never saw them again. And uh, just recently I found out that she actually, about 10 years ago, was still in her life. And uh, she had got picked up by a trick out in San Bernardino. And he shook her out in the desert, and he stabbed her over 20 times and left her dead. That's something that I live with, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people, they don't understand, like, how, when you come out, you know, like, you think everything's all about you, and, and you're so sad, you're so sad, but I, I think constantly about some of the things that I did to others while I was in the life, because it wasn't just me being a victim, you know, because that's how it started, of course, but but after, after a while, there's this psych, psychological term called identifying with the aggressor. And so you start to sort of absorb those behaviors and say, hey, if you can't beat them, join them, right? So so that was at 16, and, and when I got arrested with her, I did two years in youth authority. And during that two years, um, I learned a lot. I learned about, you know, the fact that I was a victim. Uh, They were trying to teach me how I victimized somebody, but in the process, they taught me that I was actually a victim. And I kind of started to realize that some of the things that I was doing, I was doing because of what had been done to me, not because of who I was. And I started trying to explore who I was and and get some tools and techniques about how to survive life as as an individual operating in my true identity, but... But it wasn't long enough. I'll just say that. So two years was enough to give me a couple of tools. But as soon as I touched down and saw my mother still with her boyfriend, and I was broke, I found a guy. And of course, I went to go live with him. And you know, because of the type of person I am and the experiences that I've had, you know, I went in as a bottom. And you know, um, that's that's how that relationship went. Uh, occasionally, I would go out to LA if I wanted to make some extra money, you know, and and that was that. And so then, after a little while passed, I knew this lady that I had been in youth authority with, and she got out of jail, and she didn't have anywhere to go. And and I remember when I was in youth authority with her, some of the things that she used to say to me used to make me think. Or, or see dollar signs in my head because see, see my dream in youth authority originally was that when I got out, I wanted to be a madam. I, 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 was, I was like, hey, I, I know how to do this really well. I can make people do things that I want them to do really easily. And and I can make a lot of money doing that. So this girl that I was roommates with used to tell me things that, that would make me think Oh, she's gonna be the first one that that you know I bring into my little crew or whatever. So now I'm I'm this guy's bottom and she gets out, she doesn't have anywhere to go, and I'm like, hey, come down here, no problem. So she comes down and um, you know, he and I had talked about it and and they started. He started by having a quote unquote affair with her, but what she didn't know is that he was really just kind of. Getting her used to doing some things behind people's backs and being comfortable, and then also he had something hanging over her head. And uh, remember, I told you I, I had learned some tools to help me kind of function in my true identity, but I wasn't hundred percent sure how to do that. And so what had what happened was that his his friends were coming out from L. A. This one particular night, and uh, that was that was her night. That was the night they were gonna break her. And um, I knew what was going to happen. What was going to happen is that they were going to rape her, basically. All of them were just going to, like, you know, gang rape her, back to pull a train on her, whatever you want to call it. And um, there was a little piece, a little voice inside of me that I'd never had before that was like, You can't do that. That's your friend. <laughs> and uh, so I made a big scene, and I acted like I found out that she'd been sleeping with him. and. And basically, I, I was able to get her to leave the house before anything happened. I told her, I don't care if you sleep on a park bench, but you're going to get out of here. You can't be in my house, blah, 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 blah. So they ended up showing up, and whatever was supposed to happen to her happened to me, which I was okay with that because, you know, I, I didn't do that to another person, or I didn't allow that to happen to another person. I didn't speak to that girl for 20 years, So so, so that was... That was the last I heard from her. But after that point, I started figuring out what my escape was going to be. I ended up pregnant. And I thought, okay, maybe this is going to be my saving grace. I'm going to get out of the life. I'm not going to be involved with this anymore. I tried to leave him. Went to a domestic violence shelter. Got enrolled in college. He found me at the domestic violence shelter. I had to go to another domestic violence shelter. He found me at that one. And I realized, okay, well, I guess I'm just gonna have to go back, this is it for me. So I went back and I ended up having my son early and uh, we had, I had some problems with him. And so, you know, during that time, I wasn't out, out in life or anything like that. And so when I came home, I decided that I was just gonna try to live on my own. And you know what, if he had anything to say to me, then we'll just fight or whatever. I thought I was just gonna be, you know, strong. And, um, it ended up turning pretty, pretty violent. Like, you know, he he tried to attack me a couple times, but I ran him over and I mean, it it, it was really violent. Like he, he finally left me alone, um, but you know, I ended up going back, but it was on my own. They call that renegade. I didn't have a chance. I didn't have a trafficker. It was just me. I needed money and this is what I knew how to do. So. I ended up getting pregnant by a guy who was, you know, pretty much a regular, as they say. Somebody that I saw on a regular basis and he was married. Um, I ended up getting pregnant. So How old were you? We How were old were you at this point? Uh, 20. Okay. Still young. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really young. Really young. And so, um, you know, now I'm pregnant again, and I was considering adoption. Because I had an aunt who couldn't have kids, and I thought, you know, I don't know if I don't know if I if I can do this to another child. Like this, this is not cool. And so um, I ended up deciding I wasn't going to do it because this this guy was um he was in the military and he was just getting out of the military and and he was like, I really, you know, he he didn't know my prior life. Like he thought really that I was just this was the only time that I was sleeping with the married guy for money. You know, like he really thought that, that he was just giving me money to help me out or whatever, you know? And I didn't know that he was married or all this other, you know, it it was just a weird situation. And and when he found out I was pregnant, you know, he was like, well, you know, I'll try to do what I can, but I'm leaving state. And lo and behold, he did leave. He just thought I was a um, Marine Corps. And the only thing I got from him was a pack of diapers. In any less faith. Um, so, so now I'm with two kids, and I'm like, well, what do I do with this? So I got on welfare, and I started just being a mom. I, I really didn't know how to do that, but I thought I'd just try that and see how it worked. And I got involved in church, and uh, then my mom got real sick, and she ended up passing away. And I got together with a a guy that I had been with in my past um, who wasn't 100% aware of everything that I'd gone through except for the fact that he knew I was I was fathering in the situation with my oldest son, dad. So we get together, we have a normal, or what you could call a normal life. I'm out of the life, he's working two jobs, he's supporting us. Um, and then I ended up, we ended up splitting up and I came back because we had food detectives. I come back to California and I happened to meet a guy who, for some reason, it, it seems like, it seems like when, when someone is, is, is a camp or a trafficker, they, they have this sense, or even a bottom for this case, they have this sense of who they can come at, and how they can approach them. And, and, and it's not like the movies where they just snatch you up or, you know, and, and they come and they come under the disguise of, of fools and smiling and always dressing nice and smelling good. And so it's really easy for people to get caught up if you don't keep your guards up and if you're not aware of what to be looking for. But at the same time, once you've been in that life, you know what's coming at you. And so um, when I'm on my way back to Texas, this guy, you know, hey, cool, let's make an arrangement. <laughs> So he breaks me off some money. The first time he ever meets me, you know, gives me $500, just met me and I'm like, okay, I'm going back, that's it. Obviously I don't know anything else to do other than being out there on the street. So I went ahead and made an arrangement with him. Uh, he got me a car, he got me an apartment and paid for me to go to nursing school. I never saw any of the money. However, I was at home during the week, being a mom, but from Friday afternoon to Sunday night, I was wherever he took me. And like I said, I never saw the money. But I felt like it was a perfect arrangement. He never put his hands on me. He, he, he treated me nicely. He didn't bother me during the week. Like, I felt like, hey, this is perfect. You know, I mean, I can lay my head down during the week. I'm I'm, I'm a school mom, and, you know, I take my kids to, to church groups, and, you know, everything was great. And I was in nursing school at that so obviously this wasn't going to be my life forever until one morning and this is the story I tell everybody I really have an aha moment where I decided I don't want to be in this life anymore um and, and to be honest with you for, for years now and even from time to time now that idea crosses my mind you know and I'd be lying to you if I said it didn't and, and anyone who ever says that they've never thought about going back to the life or just the lifestyle in general of hustling their lying because it, it's a struggle. And so one morning, I woke up and my daughter was sleeping in bed with me. And I looked at her and, and this idea popped in my mind of my daughter being out there. And, and this was the thought that popped in my mind. I wonder if she's going to grow up and be a hoe. Mm. And, and when I thought that, I, it was like every bone, every shell, every ounce of blood in my body was like, oh, man, this is, I can't do this. I can't do this. This can't happen. No, oh man. <laughs> um, I, I got stopped it. And I don't know how I, or why, when or I don't. I, I just know that that moment I decided that I was going to take the price tag off. No more. No one's going to buy me. I'm not going to sell myself. No one's going to myself I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this. So I packed up everything I had and I, that I could and my little car that he bought me and I left that, that very day. Me and my kids left with whatever I could fit into the car and I went to my grandparents' house and then I ended up um, getting together with an old boyfriend who was, he was kind of a square and didn't really know anything about my past. It, we ended up getting married and um, I had my last son And, uh, you know, I I never went back to the life, but but what happened is all the stuff that I went through, all of the, the childhood stuff and then all the stuff from when I was trafficked and from when I was out there myself, just straight up pimping myself out. And, I mean, all of that stuff, it kept replaying itself in different situations. It was things that I was allowing to happen and people that I was allowing to come into my life and and ways that I was allowing people to influence me to continue thinking that I was this victim all the time. Victim, 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 victim. And it didn't allow me to accept responsibility for any of the things that I had done that I lived with because what about, you know, inviting the girl down with the intention of turning her out? Like, I lived with that because, you know, now in looking back, here's the rest of the story about her. Just, Just a couple years ago, we found each other. I was able to make amends with her and be honest with her. And we apologized to each other and we started to have a good relationship. And well, long story short, a few months after she passed away, I got a phone call from her daughter. I had to go get her out, get her out the life. And- Her uh, daughter? She's her daughter. She She sent me pictures black and blue and bruised up, and she was just out there and uh, her daughter now is in a program and she's doing great um, but but those are things that 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 I had to look at differently because if I had looked at those things like I was the victim I would never have been able to take responsibility and say you know what I was a victim for a while but I, I didn't stay a victim and some of those things i chose to do nobody was forcing me to do those things and i did know how to do other things but i chose to do that thing whatever that thing might be robbing somebody selling myself whatever selling drugs all all those things and so what i've had to learn over the past i'm going to say 10 years is personal responsibility not just with things that i've done but my feelings my actions um, the truth of who I really am and what I really want out of life, and and what I'm learning is that everybody's journey is different. And if if we cookie cut everything, and if we try to make everything fit in the same box and use the same words and the same uh, diagnoses for everybody, we're never going to win. And so today, um, you know, I'm I'm more of a an emergency crisis response type of person I'm not super great with long-term follow-ups and maintaining a, a, like case managers and stuff like that I just I've just learned about myself that I'm an, I'm a starter I'm an innovator and I'm a person that you know likes to get involved in, in, in the starting of things. and so
1: so thank you it what, just happens. What, Amy what do you do now so that um, if I if I heard you clearly that Texas incident when you finally woke up look, uh, looked at your daughter and said I'm not doing this anymore and left That was your last run in the game right there, right?
0: That was my last run in the actual game. Now, I tell people this, and it's it's very important, and I hope your listeners understand what I'm getting ready to say. Just because you're not having a transaction of an act that involves something sexual for money intentionally, does not mean that you are not doing a sexual act for money D- does that make any sense
1: it does to me, <laughs> let me
0: repeat that <laughs> let me repeat that because listen i had a landlord i couldn't pay my rent guess what i knew he was attracted to me so what did i do i wore a real low-cut shirt one day and i said hey I can't um, make my rent this month. And, ooh, I know he liked looking at me, and I just took right advantage of that. Now, did I ask him for money? Did I sell myself to him? Absolutely. But it wasn't an arranged thing. It wasn't something that um, he knew that I was going to give him sex and he was going to give me money. It was something that I actually manipulated him into doing by enticing him. Hello. A lot of people don't recognize that we continue to have some of these patterns and behaviors because of the fact that we've been over-sexualized, not just ourselves being in the life, but just in our our culture in general. Amy, people people that wasn't
1: in the game, people that was never in the game do that every day.
0: Hello. Come on. Tell somebody. Yes, that is so true. And these women will go places and and they, they know that this is going to get them somewhere or get them something and so they they utilize that to their advantage and they don't recognize that that's part of what is wrong with our culture and why we're looking at things in such a different way but it it has taken me a while to even step out of those behaviors so yes that was the moment that I did that was the moment that I stopped intentionally going out for the sole purpose of having a sexual interaction with someone for money That was the last time I did that. Now, since then, yes, I absolutely have had to work on not sexualizing myself so that I can get something that I want from a a person or a situation. Because that's also been, let's talk about the nightclubs, huh? How many girls go out to a nightclub and they wear short skirts or whatever because they know they're going to get free drinks? you know, I mean, nobody's forcing them to do that now. That's their own choice to go do that, but that's what they're using to get what they want. And so it took me a while to recognize those behaviors, too. But yes, as far as physically, intentionally having sex for money, that's that's when I decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. But I had to learn that some of my behaviors were still reflective of that type of a lifestyle.
1: OK, so when when would you say you officially stopped or what have you or what, what was was that when was that, um, that turning point for you?
0: Let's see. My son is sixteen. So, um, probably two thousand
1: four, two thousand three. Okay. And since that, since that point, what what have you, what ha, what what ha, what are you doing now? Just bring me to currently. What that trans, the transition from there to your mentality to where you are now.
0: Okay, so so right now, what I do primarily is I work on training people to understand that. Uh, well, basically, the training people to understand what sexual exploitation is and um, how to recognize, especially with youth, I like to focus a lot on youth, um, how to deal with youth when they come in to your system, whether your system is foster care, uh, juvenile justice system, medical, whatever, whatever your system is, I try to, you know, because I've worked with doctors and lawyers and social workers and... Um, so so I, I like to train people and help them understand and support them to be able to help these young people uh, figure out how to do life different. Uh, so that's one thing that I do is training. I do public speaking as well. Uh, <clears throat> I don't share my story a lot uh, unless I feel that whoever it is that's asking me to share my story um, is going to gain from that. Because of the fact that um, I'm obviously I'm more than my story now. I've got something else that's going on. But um, you know, as far as like you know, the church says, hey, come tell your story, and then they're gonna come and you know, take an offering afterwards. Like I, I, that's I don't share my story for that purpose. I like to educate people. So when I talk, most of the time I talk about solutions and interventions and how we can collaborate. So, so that's another thing that I do is, is speaking. And then um, I like to work with other people that I know. Uh, are doing things that are going to impact and either change what's going on or prevent it before it even happens, which is one of the reasons why I support you, brother, and saving great futures is because I see the the, the prevention factor in, in what you're doing, and so um, that's another thing that I do, and then. I'm also um and one of my favorite things is um, extraction i love I love working on somebody call me if you're in a situation not not me specifically or alone, but i I work with a team of people and I will go and I will pick you up and I will get you to a shelter and that's 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 one of my favorite things to do is is to get people out of bad situations where wherever it might be. Um, I guess part of that is because i i've I've learned not to operate in fear um I don't really i'm not afraid of anything and so a lot of people think it's dangerous or scary but you know to me dangerous or scary was when i was on that street getting in the car with a strange man (laughs) you know and and giving my body to him and so so those are the things that that i'm focused on now um is you know extraction placement public speaking and training
1: amazing and if i um no correctly you're actually in school right now or on the process of going back to school what's that what's that start?
0: I am in school I, I just finished up my associates in psychology and uh, I will be continuing on into undergrad to get my bachelor's in social work with uh, a minor in forensics. Uh, my goal is to be a forensic social worker and my purpose for that is not to be a social worker that maintains the caseload but a social worker that is able to Um, assess and identify uh, social and psychological things that are contributing to um, youth and adults who are not able to uh, function at their full capacity. In other words, somebody call me in on the stand and I'll be able to explain why this girl right here should not be going home to her mother who's charging her to stay there knowing that her daughter is out there on the street. Make sense?
1: Yep. So it says, "What you?" I I usually end um, the podcast, these interviews with a question where I ask people um, if they had, if they could go back to the time before they actually entered into the game, if they could go back and see themselves and talk to themselves, what would they say to themselves? But that question is kind of different now with you because you were really uh, tricked into the game, although you were, you know, you said trying to live the fast life and and uh, thought things were cool, but so. Same question, but um, a little bit different. If you could go back, I believe it was your 13. You had already been, um, you know, sexually exploited at nine years old. But if you could go back to that 13-year-old cool Amy trying to run with the run with the boys, what advice would you give yourself? Um, what would you give yourself? Because there, there may be young young women that are listening to this that'll be 13. There's parents that are having their kids listen to this. Other advocates, talk to your 13-year-old self right now. What would you tell yourself?
0: Hmm. don't do drugs (laughs) Um, you know that's a good question Um, just spontaneously like on the spot right now the the best thing I can come up with is um, it's really important that if you're going to go with People that you don't know. Um, no, let me
1: rephrase that. Check, let me let me, rephrase, really let me rephrase. the question, Amy, real quick. Just, I want you to really, really, because your your story is deep, and there's there's other kids in your situation right now today. You're you're actually in the midst of this 13 year old right now, about to go about to go to that hotel, not knowing they're going to LA. Stop that individual. What are you going to tell them?
0: Don't go anywhere with people that you don't know. I mean, like that's that's the ultimate bottom line. Like if you don't know these people, you don't have no business going to a hotel with them. I don't care how many friends you're with. There, there's there's no reason at all why you need to go to a hotel with strange men. Period. There, no matter what. Like if they're not, if you're not going, even if you were going to go to a house or anything if you, if these grown men well I don't know how old you know I know they were adults obviously but if men are picking you up to go party and you just met them that's completely inappropriate no matter what exchange phone numbers get to know somebody a little bit don't don't meet somebody in the same day you're going somewhere with them to a hotel that's just not it's not okay it's not safe
1: definitely and not safe and as you as you see from your own personal experience and the, uh, there's other experiences that are that are similar to that so is it you're not just saying this just because that parent that just warning their kids you've actually lived through what can happen what can happen Absolutely. going with strangers you've seen the results of that and um and all these things are possible and your friends yeah
0: and your friends your friends who knows i don't know why my friends left me there Hmm. And, and and one day, I'll have the courage to ask because they live in the same town as me. And I've seen them in the grocery store. And, you know, I've never approached them to say, hey, why didn't you leave me in that hotel? I've never I've never thought to ask, like, or do you even remember? Did you know? Did you remember that I was there? Because, I mean, I was just as... Maybe they were just as high and drunk as I was. But maybe they left. I mean, I don't know. But the thing is, is you really got to be cautious with your own self. You, you really got to be keep your trust at a very minimum because these days it's really easy to be tricked
1: okay amy i have a uh the utmost respect for you and even after now I've, I've heard bits and pieces of your story but i think this is the most thorough i've, I've heard your background and um i respect you even more now and for even being able to still stand strong and to help others i appreciate you and i thank you and um right now currently um listening as we're recording this because this 'cause this isn't live right now, but it, uh, when I publish it it will be live. But I have a friend with me right now that is um listening to this and her herself have has recently kind of just stepped out of the game. Her her background experience is is different, but I've known her since we were damn near thirteen years old. And um she's a really, really good friend of mine. And I um She doesn't have to say anything, but I just want you to, she's listening to you right now, Amy. Um, She's in transition of just uh, stopping everything and being um, a part of that game and that hustle. What advice do you have for her, you know, in this transition, in this period? Dealing with addiction, dealing with friends that aren't really friends, dealing with the game. Um, 20 years, damn near 20 years being involved. I need your wisdom right now. Breathe on me one time
0: you know what i i just i keep it the best thing i can do is, is be real with her and this is what i will say it seems like it's impossible like you stand at the front of the tunnel there is no light at the end of the tunnel just put one oh you have to know in your head and Convince yourself every day that there is a light and you will get to it. It's not easy. People, people sometimes will tell you, put so much better over here. Well, you know what? It really isn't that easy to get to where the light is. But you have to stay committed to yourself to just put one foot in front of the other one. Each day, you have to take it day by day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't say, oh, I'm never going to do this again. Just Sometimes you even have to take it hour by hour. Just take one foot in front of the other one and those people that are around you who you know have really been there, who have experienced life the way that you have experienced it, hold on to those people because they had to take it step by step and they found that light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, There's some people that will tell you, oh, you know, it's so great and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? There's a song by Mary J. Blige. uh, It's called Living Proof. I want you to listen to that because she'll tell you it's a lot of lonely nights and it's an uphill climb. But you will make it as long as you take it one step at a time. One foot in front of the other. Just keep going that direction. And don't think of anything else as an option it's hard but lean on those people that you know have been there because we have experienced the same thing that you're experiencing and because of the fact that we've made it to that light we understand that struggle we understand that pain we understand that that longing and that desiring you don't even know here's what i'm going to end with the feelings of What we think we want when we're in the midst of all of that and who we want to be in our lives, it's an illusion. And until we can get outside of that illusion, we don't feel like we want anything else. So you have to learn that everything you're telling yourself right now is what's keeping you in the darkness. So try to learn how to not listen to any of that and just take one step at a time. One single
1: step at a time And I promise you You'll reach that light Thank you Amy I appreciate you so much And um I want you to enjoy The rest of your trip How long are you out there In Michigan?
0: Sure, I'll be out here For another Six
1: days bro Okay But you're out there With good company I know um Sister Leslie King We gotta meet one day I know she's a great woman As well I'm gonna have to get her On this podcast also Real soon yeah, yeah,
0: she's a sacred
1: beginning. That lady, man, she's a powerhouse. Yeah, I heard. I, I feel the power. I'm all the way in San Diego. I'll be feeling her power. So I understand it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, thank you very, very much. Is there any, before we close out, I know that's a out, but did you, anything you want to say that, you know, outside of this podcast, anything about what you're doing? How can people reach you? Is there anything you want to say before we close? Uh, you know what, bro? I, I just
0: want to say this. Um... I appreciate the work that you do, and um thanks for telling your truth. It's important for people to know everybody's story that they've been through, and, and I'm proud of you, and, and I appreciate you giving people like me a, a, a platform to be heard. And, um, you know, if, if there's anybody that, that needs to contact me or uh you know once wants, wants to ask me any other, any other questions or they know somebody that might need to get out or wants to find a placement for somebody or any of those things um i do have a hotline number uh and do you want me to give that out or? Yeah,
1: if you want whatever you want this is you it's the amy okay. hours.
0: all right yeah so yeah so I, I have a hotline number which is 909-833-1722 and that is 24 hours a day. If I can't help you, I definitely will find somebody that can. And uh, I have a website, which is www.survivors, which is survivor with an S on the end, C like cat, and N like Nancy. So that's org, and that stands for Survivors Consultation Network. Uh, it talks a little bit about my trainings and stuff like that, and then my email and any other contact information
1: is on there. Absolutely. All right. Thank you again, Amy. And, um, you know, we'll be in touch soon. You are my sis. And we, we, we communicate pretty regular now. And one day, my hope, and I'll put down the universe is we get you right here in San Diego. <laughs> hey,
0: hey, that's what I'm shooting for.
1: Let's do it. All right. Thank you. Have a All great right, day. All right,
0: All right. You too, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.